Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Froth here with Thought Eater Podcast and Blog. Happy Wednesday. Thank you for listening. You know what it is, it's hump day bloggerama. Kitty's right next to me, she's getting riled up. <laughs> Kitty's a mess. So yeah, it's another big show, I'm gearing up for it. Um, it's incredible how much awesome stuff there is every week. You know, the Hump Day Bloggerama show is all about celebrating the blogs, the bloggers, the folks that are really putting out that DIY, that free material, that pulsing heartbeat. Not just the OSR, but really just RPG scene in general, you know? Call it the amateurs, whatever, I call them the pros the bloggers anyway I got a call in from Colin Green legendary anchorite behind the Spike Pit podcast from about last week's episode we're going to check that out real quick hey froth man you're killing it as usual awesome hump day bloggerama uh, the other day I, uh, I neglected to mention your um you like your recap, your session recap, the Sunday thing. And, um, man, I don't know why, because I really enjoy that. Uh, it's good to get a little peek behind the curtain on what you're up to and uh, some of your thinking. So, uh, yeah, man, I've got to apologise for that. Now, you mentioned Birthright and it being underrated. I... It only recently came up on my radar and a few things you said there make it sound pretty awesome to me. I just wondered if there's any more you could perhaps say about it or talk about it or, I don't know, man, bring bring back Birthright, I'm thinking. All right, Colin. Well, you're going to love me because I put together a couple of goodies for you. So, um, Birthright setting one of the primary designers of it, you know, it came out second edition. It's one of like the production values of the box. set is incredible. And I got so lucky getting it. I don't even know what the prices are on them now, but honestly, they're probably not that bad compared to a lot of the settings, you know, Planescape. It's not, you know, it's not as popular. So you might be able to find a good copy used, but I was at my game shop and you know, we've got a really nice game shop, Tyke's games here in Athens, Georgia. And, sometimes stuff that's been on the shelves it's been on there for a long time like i don't want to tell y'all some of the deals that are in there the ones that i'm kind of waiting to set aside some money for but you know stuff that's still at the list price you know that uh, has been out for a long time you know and and one of those was, it was birthright and it was at, it was the box set and the shrink wrap and i got it at just the you know the list price because um you know it's a fair Sean Holland is a fair dealer up there. I'm just blessed, honestly, with so many things in life, and having a great game shop is one of them. But anyway, Rich Baker is one of like the main designer, the main kind of force behind Birthright, and is a you know was a one of the few from TSR to get carried over into Wizards of the Coast, and uh, did a lot of stuff for. Planescape and some other games, but also did a lot for fourth edition D and D. And now a lot of people will dog on 4e, but one thing you don't hear them complain about is the like the Ninnervale campaign setting, the base 4e setting. And and Rich Baker 
did a lot of cool writing for that and also came up with uh, themes which was a 4e kind of thing that's kind of like 4e's version of kits and has a lot in common with uh, how 5e backgrounds ended up sort of the reason I keep going about what Rich Baker did is because he actually um, has uh, done some stuff for 5th edition, including the, who's the main designer and writer for Lost Minds of, uh, Lost Mine of Fandelver from the starter kit, which <clears throat> even all these years later, despite all the, <clears throat> excuse me, despite all the different, you know, huge 5e book releases, uh, that that starter adventure consistently polls, you know, amongst the highest of all the adventures. And his team also worked on the, uh, whatever, the Elemental Evil one, Prince of the Apocalypse, I guess it's called. And, um, but anyway, it, it's really high production values, and it's got a, like a lot of politics. It's got this cool thing where these uh, divine bloodlines have been passed down, so... You've got all this intrigue and everything, but what really takes it over the edge is this whole level of domain play. It's like a mini game within the game where you're kind of measuring your population and your gold and you've got this like point system and it's got this whole kind of like turns of battle sort of deal, like order of initiative where you're making uh, uh, domain actions, you know, you're, you know, so you're not only getting to play on the individual level of your character, but you're also like a regent making decisions for, uh, for the, your domain and everything. And they came out with all these cool players books where, you know, it's got stuff about your domain and player options. And, uh, if you get into birthright, you can find those players books and everything, all that stuff really reasonable. But anyway, I, I knew I wasn't going to get to go into so much detail on it. So I put up a couple links. I put up one that's um, <clears throat> just like a, a a person's review on a blog. Give some love to the bloggers. So this was from uh, Rogue Warden, RossWatson.blogspot.com. This is an older post from back in 2012. But then for you, Colin, I knew I'd seen some 5e birthright. Like people making Birthright 5e hacks. I know you've been into that 5e lately, so I found an awesome one that I put up a link for from a home brewery. Uh, let's see, this person calls himself Marsupial Mancer, and they've done this whole 5th edition Birthright deal with the domain play and everything, all the flavor from it. So between those two things, I think I got you covered, man. So check it out. You wanted to see some Birthright? Check out this 5e Birthright hack. What? The other thing I had for y'all for the intro, uh, you know, last week I was talking about that um, car adverti uh, advertisement for Renault with the the um, the old D and D cartoon characters, like you know, in real life, you know, real life, um, you know, commercial the actors portraying the D and D cartoon characters. Well, last week it the, it still hadn't come out yet, so all there was was that teaser video I put up. But now the 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 full one is out, and it's just awesome. And people have just been like, hey, "Why couldn't the movie have been this cool?" And I don't blame them. It's freaking awesome. It's got Tiamat in there and everything. Also, there's an embedded link of that over at the Thought Eater blog. I guess I should mention all the links I talk about today are over at the Thought Eater blog. Froth soft froth s o f d n d dot blogspot dot com, or just Google Thought Eater blog and you'll find it. But anyway, I put up a link to Hero Press uh, blog as well. 
um, that's not only got that commercial there, but it's also got some behind the scenes um, and like shorter trailers and little featurettes on, on that commercial. So you can really, you know, see all the different stuff that came out of, uh, that cool idea. All right. I think that's what I've got for y'all for the intro. Y'all know what comes first, the maps, lots of great maps <clears throat> this week as always. And, uh, we'll get right into them. Evelyn Moreau, love Evelyn's work. Uh, She's always been one of my favorites ever since I first noticed her work on Google+. She blogs over at the Chromatic Cauldron, Le Chaudron Chromatique, chaudronchromatique.blogspot.com. She's always doing these awesome little zines and cool stuff. I, I back her Patreon. And um, she put up a keyed version of a map from one of her zines, Lacoustris, which I looked up because I do not speak French, and it's like lakes and their environments. And so it's these uh, various um, keyed locations on this cool map. I put the image of the map up along with some random tables and everything, and this is just a really nice uh, lake area that uh, has got all kinds of cool encounters and everything. So this is one that you can you know, check out the map, but then... Uh, be sure and you know print this off. You can have it as like a you know in a sandbox. Your um, party happens upon a lake. You've got some encounters and interesting stuff going on here. So it's it's awesome. Thank you, Evelyn, for that. Then there was a cool post at Delta's D and D Hotspot. Delta's been uh, blogging, been doing the OSR blog thing for for a long time, and uh, there's all kinds of cool stuff in Delta's archives. Um, and this was a great post called Wandering Homlet. And it's about the location of Homlet and how it, its location on the Greyhawk hex maps and everything kind of changed in various releases. And it, so that Wandering Homlet is Homlet hopping around these different hexes. And uh, I put it up because it's got one of these maps that I love from the uh, little map booklet that came with Temple of Elemental Evil. And, uh, but I, I also put this up, not just for that, because I love the scholarship and I love when there's an OSR map detective, you know, a map Sherlock Holmes, you know, uh, chasing this stuff down and, and comparing the evidence and trying to figure out what's going on. So if you're into, um, Greyhawk at all, uh, this is fascinating. And uh, I think it'd be interesting just for anybody if you like the history of the game and everything. So Go over to deltasdnd.blogspot.com. Check out the Wandering Homlet post. The 9 and 30 Kingdoms. These are numbers. 9 and 30 kingdoms.blogspot.com. Uh, the person that does this blog has been doing a couple of pamphlet zines, you know, where you can print and fold them, and uh, pamphlet villages. And so this was the second PDF they'd put up. I put up links to both of them. Uh, uh, Twisted Wood and uh, the Red Winter Hamlet. So this is just something free that I noticed. Uh, hey, I don't know the person's name. They don't have their name on their blog, but thank you very much for uh, for putting these up. Uh, killer little pamphlet village, another, you know, more awesome DIY stuff floating around out there for you to download. So go over and check out the pamphlet village, Red Winter Hamlet PDF, as well as uh, the other one, which was I'd already clicked off, the Twisted Wood. So thank you very much over at 9 and 30 Kingdoms. Appreciate the pamphlets. 
All right, Trey Causey. Love Trey's stuff. From the Sorcerer's Skull blog. It's always one I'm always checking out. Sorcererskull.blogspot.com. Trey always does some cool, has a lot of cool comic stuff. Actually, Sorcerer's Skull comes up, uh, Trey's blog comes up again later in this episode. It's too much cool stuff. He gets a, a double dose. We get a double dose this week. I put up a post called The Secrets of Harvey Lands, which I thought was cool for the map. And this is about the uh, Harvey comics that did, I guess, Richie Rich and uh, Casper were their big, um, you know, um, product lines. But looking through these little pictures, uh, I remember reading quite a few Harvey comics back in the day. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact names of some of these other characters, but I, I recognized some of them and remember, it came and gave me a little flashbacks. But uh, the map itself was really kind of interesting. Um, you know, Richie Rich lives in Richville, like right in the center, but then it's surrounded by all these strange enchanted forests and valleys of giants and ogres and the Valley of Devils and, uh, you know, the Casperville spook town. And then everything's uh, surrounded by magic mountains that keep it from the outside world. So it was very strange, the, the official map of the various Harvey lands. So... If you remember those comics from, from when you were younger or whatever, I th think you'd get a kick out of it. And then it was just a, kind of a cool map design, too. thought I'd put it up. And finally, on the maps, I love this Map of the Week blog. Mapoftheweek.blogspot.com They put up a, another awesome map called of Mammoth Cave uh, in Kentucky. But what's cool about it is it's from the uh, early, well, 1835. And uh, the style of the map is really neat. It's got a like picture of the entrance along with a kind of geographical top-down look at it. But then also these kind of side views, little diagrams and stuff of the different cave rooms. So it's just a really interesting map. And if you're d doing something underground, it might give you some inspiration, you know, using that uh, real-world stuff for, for, uh, for fantasy games. And uh, actually, there's some really high-res versions that uh, it links to that you can download. And you can uh, zoom way in onto and play around with the map. So I really, really appreciated that from mapoftheweek.blogspot.com. And that's what I got for you all for the maps today. A few uh, <clears throat> reviews jumped out at me this week that I thought I might share that might be of interest to... Uh, to the various folks that listen, you can hear the cat in the background, kitty. And that should tell you where we're going with this first one. It's Monarchies of Mal. So this is like a 5e-based game. And what does kitty have to do with it? Well, this is like anthropomorphic cats. You play like cats in this game. And uh, I think this is, yeah, Onyx Path. Who also did Pugmire, where you played anthropomorphic dogs. So I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily something right up my alley, but I will say that the artwork is incredible. I'll put up a put up an image from this thing. And so if you're you're a cat lover and you want to play some five E D and D in this cat society and be these cats and everything, um, it's a really uh, kind of substantial review. You'll get a really good idea of it. And I invite you to check out the link. It's at fantasy-faction.com. I invite you to check it out just based on the artwork alone because uh, the artwork is 
really good, stunning. So check out Monarchies of Mal. Um, if you're into 5e, you want to do something different, you know, with cats and stuff like that, could be could be something you want to look at. I couldn't think of a cat pun right there. Uh, yeah, and it's not, and I'm not going to get one. <laughs> One's not coming to me, so I'm, I'm going to stop. Um, over at the other side blog, Tim Brannon's blog, Tim T. S. Brannon, the other side dot Tim S. Brannon dot com. I've been following Tim for a long time, and uh, Tim put up a review of the Castles and Crusades book, Codex Classicum. So Castles and Crusades is um, really one of the first kind of OSR games, if not the first. And uh, But it doesn't get as much love anymore as, it, as, it, uh, as, as I think it should. Uh, I know Rob C. from Down in a Heap and I both uh, really enjoy Castles and Crusades. And they've got this whole uh, product line, this Codex product line where they they do source books based on real world mythology and uh gods and monsters and everything. So this one is like based on Greek, Roman and Etruscan history. So it's got uh you know classical Greek uh monsters from myth and stuff like that. This is kind of a good overview that gives you an idea of what you get in the book. So if you're into Greek and Roman history and want to do mix it into some uh, D&D or Castles and Crusades, any kind of OSR game, really. You might want to check out the Codex Classicum. All right, so yeah, this looks really good. Now, how many games really have art that's so good that you would want an art book of the art, you know? I mean, there was that recent D&D thing, you know, looking back on the history of D&D art, which was awesome. I'm blanking the name of it right now, but... Um, you know, I mean, there's lots of good art out there, but it, not many games have art that's so great that you can actually see yourself just buying an art book based around the game. Well, there's a Apocalypse World, you know, powered by the Apocalypse game called Legacy, Life Among the Ruins, which is uh, like a post-apocalyptic game. And there is a, uh, a thing out for it just called The Art of Legacy. And... I'm telling y'all, I'll put up several photos or several, you know, just whatever scans, images of the artwork from this thing. And it is just awesome post-apocalyptic art. Really cool. So cool that you could actually see yourself with a you know, coffee table book or something of this um, on your table. If you're into really stylized kind of sci-fi post-apocalyptic art with really nice colors and, and, and design... I thought I found it breathtaking, and it's uh, the artists that worked on this: Tithi Laudthong, Jeff Brown, and Claudia Kangini. I don't know if I'm pronouncing everyone's name right, but uh, they have some collective serious talent. So check that out. Uh, have a look at that. The artwork is, like I say, it's breathtaking, world class, and that's over at uh, RollingBoxCars.com. The Art of Legacy: Life Among the Ruins. And finally, uh, reviews from Rullier. This is Pookie, a.k.a. Pookie UK's blog, always doing some awesome reviews. And I thought this one would be interesting if anybody's out there into RuneQuest and Glorantha. Pookie put up a really nice review of um, the new uh, bestiary for the new RuneQuest. So um, Pookie always does really good reviews. You know, you can click around on Pookie's blog and, uh, and, and get a really good idea of what you're 
you're looking at before you buy it. So this is one of the, you know, recent things that came out. I know I've seen some people making me jealous with the big RuneQuest slip cases, but, um, um, you know, Chaosium's really stepped up their game. I guess what, you know, they had that whole fiasco happen with, uh, I guess, Horror on the Orient Express where, you know, um, there was a big reorganization and some of the folks like Stafford and these folks that were there at the beginning with Chaosium kind of came back and had to kind of get everything back in order. And ever since then, they have really uh, been putting out some amazing stuff. And this looks really high production values and uh, you can get a good idea of what it's all about over at Reviews from Rulier. Couple of quick uh, retrospective sorts of posts that I saw that I thought might be interesting to y'all. Again, I, I mentioned that I was going to get back with uh, Trey Cossey uh, from the Sorcerer's Skull. Trey put up a post uh, about Charlton action heroes. These are kind of like, you know, not DC or Marvel, but Charlton comics. And uh, just kind of a, like a look back a little bit about the history of uh, Charlton Comics and how they tried to kind of revive their line and everything. But what struck me about this, you can tell I've been on a superhero kick lately with all the Marvel I've been playing. And, and uh, on the Top 3 Tuesday, I was talking about superheroes uh, thanks to a question from RFED. But, so um, it's, it's got this ad uh, that I put up on the Thought Eater blog too um, of the... Uh, the Charlton action heroes, like uh, superheroes, like uh, Judo Master and uh, the Blue Beetle. <laughs> and it says, action heroes, we got them. Five of them to be exact. And they're not half bad. <laughs> what kind of... That's from the own company. That's from Charlton themselves. What a ringing endorsement of their uh, superheroes. They're not half bad. Oh, God, that makes me want to... Want to check it out? I mean, they're not half bad. Uh, so that was kind of funny. And uh, like I said, uh, over at Sorcerer's Skull, Trace uh, does a lot with comics and superheroes and stuff. And, uh, you know, kind of weird weird history and stuff. So it's, it's, that sounds like it's up your alley. Check it out. And then Wayne over at Wayne's Books. Uh, if you're ever looking for something hard to find or out of print, um, obscure game. Always make sure you're also checking out Wayne's books to see if Wayne's got it. You can find a lot of cool stuff for a fair price from Wayne. Also blogs over at waynesbooks.games. And uh, Wayne put up this awesome post, uh, something I, I had never heard of, heard of, Wild Space, uh, which was a TSR kind of uh, aborted attempt at some kind of spinoff from Spelljammer. Uh, at least that's what it appears to be. Uh, Wayne puts up a bunch of different pictures, including uh, some images from TSR's 1994 catalog, where they're talking about their Adventure Vision board game line. And what this was is, uh, when I was talking about Dark Tower a few weeks ago, I mentioned how the whole you know, weird trend with board games, where they'd have a VHS tape that kind of came with the game. It was, it was a whole thing for you know maybe a year maybe a year and a half but adventure vision was their board game line and they, they did this with the, the dragon strike board game and then there was going to be this wild space game that never actually came out so um they also were going to tie in several different um little kind of their choose your own adventure books or endless quest books 
Uh, so it looks like maybe there are going to be some novels and then these, you know, choose your own adventure and endless quest books. The only thing that ever came out for Wild Space was a single endless quest book, A Wild Ride. And Wayne's got it if you want <laughs> if you want to check it out. But I thought that was cool because who knows what could have maybe happened. Maybe this would have been a whole, like, spinoff setting and we would have seen a bunch of D&D stuff for Wild Space. But it was never meant to be. But uh, another cool image from it was... Uh, the uh, the logo, which uh, Wayne accurately describes as possibly the worst TSR game logo ever, which is like Wild Space with like this uh, uh, mind flare popping his head up in the middle of it. <laughs> so all that remains of Wild Space is an endless quest bug. So this was a great post from Wayne. Appreciated this. Uh, anybody that's into you know history of games and weird TSR stuff and obscure obscure product lines and that kind of thing should get a kick out of this so go over and check that out and now a word from our sponsors all right let's roll on some random tables <clears throat> all right so d4 caltrops k trey's blog it's come up a lot lately because k trey's been killing it quite frankly blog.d4caltrops.com K-Trey's been doing this series where it's like, these townsfolk are dot, dot, dot. And you roll a D100 and it gives you random flavor for what uh, different, you know, NPCs and whatever life going on in towns and cities and everything. And this one is, these wood elves are dot, dot, dot. So, you know, the party stumbles into a little deep neck of the woods and comes across some wood elves. Let's see what they're up to. These wood elves are re-silvering hand mirrors. That sounds like a really elf sort of thing to do. Let's do another couple of these. Alright. These wood elves are about to slice open a man-sized cocoon with a ceremonial dagger. Oh. Killer. One more on here. These wood elves are Summoning a light drizzle to mourn the death of a nymph. So you get the idea there. Kind of fairy tale, weird. I like it. It's also got a PDF you can just download of that. So go over to D4 Caltrops. Check out these wood elves are dot dot dot. Alright, so this was awesome. I almost put this under the variant um, section. Because it's both uh, kind of a game variant and a uh, random table. But this is uh, Graphite Prime's blog. Graphiteprime.blogspot.com Great post here from Graphite Prime. Love it. Clerics and Ascension. So the idea here is uh, as the clerics get higher and higher in level, there's a chance that they actually like ascend to their deity. And um, so there's some mechanics for that. And I thought it was really clever because, you know, usually in OSR games, the end game is kind of getting followers and having a temple or whatever, that kind of, you know, vague domain-ish sort of deal. But... Given the option, I would much prefer to have a chance of ascension. So, um, starting at seventh level, you get a chance for sainthood, which is a 15% chance that increases by 10% per level after. So, if you get the sainthood roll, then you roll a d6 to see what happens when you're just a saint. And so, I rolled, I would gain plus two charisma. Uh, so, I become more charismatic. And now, once, you're, once you have sainthood, you have a 10% chance when you reach your next level for ascension to take place. So once you get that, all right, then you get a really kind of powerful sort of boon going. So another D6. 
Um, and so I can sprout ethereal angelic wings, allowing me to fly a number of rounds equal to my level per day. All right, so now I've gotten the sainthood where I got more charismatic. Now I'm starting to ascend. So I've, I can sprout angelic wings and fly. And then once I roll, once I've hit that point and I roll three 20s, right, on a crit during combat or whatever, um, I'm actually ascended and I just disappear. And it says, uh, when ascension occurs, you dramatically achieve victory over your current dilemma. All foes immediately present are destroyed as holy light radiates from your body. You rise up in the sky, even in a dungeon, and disappear from play forever. <laughs> now, that is freaking killer. I love it. So, uh, Graphite Prime, you got to flesh those rules out, put them in a book. I love the ascension rules. Great job there. Clerics and Ascension, check that out. Graphiteprime.blogspot.com. Um, where am I going next? That was not where I meant to be. Okay, yeah. All right, so this is the I Don't Remember That Move blog. Remember this move. Remember dismove.blogspot.com. And this is Matt Halton's blog. So uh, this is called Marcher Lord PCs. They've got a setting called Marcher Lords. And this is uh, some random tables to generate kind of backgrounds for for PCs, or you could use it for NPCs or whatever. So it's looking back at your history. So let's see. It's got uh, tables for fighters, rogues, wizards, clerics. Let me just roll randomly to see which one we'll play with. So a fighter. So my fighter was taken by a lord as a ward to guarantee my family's loyalty, and I'm always homesick. So that's where I, my original background. And then, after that, after the years with the Lord, um, I killed a dragon by accident, and now I'm known as the Dragon Slayer everywhere, and I'm expected to do it again. Oh, Lordy. And what do I have on me? Or what's something unique to me? Um... Yeah, great. I'm not going to be able to fight the dragon with this. I've got a full suit of plate armor, rusted to shit. <laughs> Unwearable. Pardon my French. So, yeah, God, they took me from my parents, and I accidentally killed a dragon. Now they expect me to do it again, and all I got is this rusted armor. Great. Well, Matt, I'm going to go ahead and roll up another character, but if I roll that in your game... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Anyway, this is cool. It's got a bunch of, you know, different things you can... You can have, like, for example, like a wizard might have a, a talking pig or a wise pet snail and a lot of creative stuff on here. So go over and check it out at rememberdismove.blogspot.com. Finally, this is more generated than a random table, but I was talking about Starfinder recently. I've hopped in a few Starfinder Society games, and uh, someone made this uh, Starfinder Tools um, site sfrpgtools.com and it's got all these generators like you can just with a click of a button generate a, a starship for Pathfinder or Starfinder a whole system it uses like the tables and the stuff from um, from the the book to, to to generate it so it's really cool I mean it is system specific um, I mean, some of it you guys, I guess, use in just about anything, but it's all stat. It's got like a loot generator and stuff like that that's all based around the uh, Starfinder book. So if you're into Starfinder, you might already know about that site. If not, I want to make sure you did know. Really killer. SF, 
like Starfinder, sfrpgtools.com, killer generators from your, for your Starfinder game. All right, good stuff. Next, I put up a video and a link. Um, Stephen Colbert, uh, I haven't gotten to watch it yet, but Stephen Colbert, you know, is uh, noted for loving D&D and having grown up playing D&D and uh, played a game with uh, Matt Mercer and, and talked some D&D with them and everything. Uh, so I put up a link to that video. I intend to check it out at some point and um, also a link to over at Dungeons of Clang where uh, uh, they kind of talked a little bit about the video. What's interesting is Colbert says that he started playing with uh, Metamorphosis Alpha what was his first game, <laughs> which I thought was cool. He played Metamorphosis Alpha before he played D&D. But also mentions, uh, Colbert kind of mentions a few things that are incorrect about the history of TSR, but... Um, it seems more like a just kind of a vague memory. I mean, you're going back 40 something years. Uh, so it's just kind of misremembering or just how, uh, Colbert remembers it. But anyway, uh, you know, I think it's great for the game when there's famous people or celebrities and this kind of thing. Uh, um, you know, just sir. Well, the, the only downside is it makes collector's items probably more expensive because more people are playing, you know, uh, there's more people trying to grab that spell jammer box set or whatever, but um, at the same time, it it it, it uh, I think it I, I totally believe in that whole rising tide lifts all boats and everything. I, I believe that um, it normalizes it. I mean, it's such a great hobby for for kids to be into, um, and I get into that later. I mean, I'd much rather kids be doing this than uh, many of the other things out there and um and also just being uh normalized and made into a thing where you know it's just part of the culture and stuff like this helps it so anyway if you're a fan of colbert colbert's comedy and stuff like that and want to watch them play with matt mercer you can check out this video all right so over at um the ruins of Merkhill blog original dungeons dash and dash dragons dot blogspot dot com Original Dungeons dash and dash dragons dot blogspot dot com. Put up a post on Saturday, Saturday, May 25th, Dave Hargrave Day, celebrating the birthday of Dave Hargrave, creator of Arduin. Arduin is, uh, well, Hargrave is really like the patron saint of the OSR, really. Um, uh, you know, doing those original D&D hacks, making his own thing out of it, selling it, <laughs> and um, such creativity and uh, unique uniqueness and um i really wish i had a chance to expand my arduin collection i do have the first three uh grimoires and a couple of things that you know i found around online but i'd love somebody to, to get the rights of it and really do it upright and reprint everything and make this box set everything with you know in the original stylings um but i digress uh, uh, there was a post for dave hargrave day there with Dave Hargrave's 13 Rules for Survival. And I thought I would read these. Number one, nothing is ever what it seems, so always be alert. Number two, the Game Master cannot be out outfought, but he can be outthought. Number three, in all melee, battle, or surprise situations, the prime thing to remember is that you must react. 
Do something, even if it's wrong. Take action. Number four, the surest way out of any ambush is through the point of maximum resistance. Never ever try to turn around and or retreat. It's precisely what they've planned for you to try. So hit them hard, fast, and hell-bent for blood, because you've got nothing to lose anyway. Five, never fight when you can think instead. Six, beware mixing the three M's, melees, missiles, and magic. To do so is to court disaster. <laughs> Seven, remember that for battle you must have preparation. Distance between yourself and the target, sufficient delay time in which to wield your maximum firepower, and enough firepower to ensure the absolute destruction of your intended target. Eight, always expect the worst in any given situation. Always be prepared for the worst, no matter where you may be, and truly, through practice, become the worst, so that trouble will strive mightily to avoid you. Sounds like my party. They definitely know how to become the worst. Number nine, you must have eyes and ears in all directions at all times. Number 10. A closed mouth means silence, which equates to secrecy, which means safety and a sure way to travel. Don't advertise your destination. 11. Be careful with your weapons. They cut in two directions, and your friends are often more vulnerable than your foes. That goes for my party. Oh boy, every time they roll a natural one, they're hitting each other. <laughs> 12. Every adventurer should be prepared to fight and or flee at any time with no more than what he is wearing and carrying. And don't load yourself down with a lot of junk. Be selective. 13. The 13th, though last, is the most important of all the rules of survival. Think, think, think. So that is great stuff over there from Halinar Frosthelm at uh, the Ruins of Murkill blog. And uh, that was uh, posted uh, by Matrox, Matrox Lush uh, back uh, as Google Plus was dying. So happy birthday, Dave Hargrave. Um, thanks for Ardwin. A couple of miscellaneous things to get to before we get to our final topic. Um, first at Forest for the Trees, this is Forest Aguirre's blog, forestaguirre.blogspot.com. I've always liked Forest, don't know Forest personally, but followed them around on social media over the years. Seems like a good soul. They put up a great post about, um, kind of reminiscing on looking back at the old play-by-mail stuff from Dragon and other magazines uh, that I remember too, but it, yeah, it's, it's like Forrest mentions here, there was always like some kind of fee involved, like $2 a move or something. So it would have been cool, but it ain't $2 cool, especially back then. It definitely wasn't $2 cool. Um, but they're talking about kind of unplugging from Facebook and wanting to read more books and do more analog stuff. And as part of that, they're doing this snail mail RPG campaign with some friends and they've got these cool envelopes wax sealed and a little bit about the campaign they're running. And I just thought that's such, such an awesome idea. Um, now it's come full circle, you know, we've come all the way, but we've gone through you know, digital tools and virtual tables. And but we're, now we're coming all the way back to play by mail, play by post. And I love it. Um, so Forrest, um, Keep posting about this. I want to hear how it goes. Uh, and y'all should all go over and check this out. Uh, what a great idea. I'd love to be involved in something like this. Uh, that would be so awesome. So uh, the play-by-post, uh, play-by-mail, snail mail, RPG. Great stuff from Forrest Aguirre. Then over at uh, Dungeon Solvers, dungeonsolvers.com, uh, they did a great essay called Using an Unreliable Narrator in an RPG. And I won't uh, try to just read this whole thing for you. It's kind of... 
Uh, it's got some great ideas, though. And uh, using uh, kind of an unreliable narrator in a game as an NPC is is a good thing to mix in from time to time. You know, it can't be all the time or or they'll think you're lying to them. It's kind of like uh, this whole rot grub thing going around. It's like no DM is putting rot grubs in every piece of wood, but from time to time, it's fine. Deal with it. You got bit by some rot grubs. They bored into your skin. They were going for that sweet meat of your heart. It's just a rot grub. It's just an unreliable narrator, you know? Uh, it reminds me of a campaign I ran where I, I used this... Uh, kind of to great effect i had this halfling that had been helping them along for a, for a long time and and they only at the very end realized that they'd been being manipulated by the halfling it, it was kind of a trick to pull it off but they never saw it coming so at the end it was kind of like that camera trick where it kind of zooms in on their face and the background's getting further away and, you know i don't know if i described that very well but they were like oh my god you know froth you've been screwing with us the whole time so Anyway, I thought this had some good ideas, something to read, uh, give you some ideas for your campaigns. Uh, like I say, not something you want to use all the time, but from time to time, unreliable narrators, rock grubs, that kind of thing, are a lot of fun. And then finally, Rob Conley over at the Bat in the Attic blog pointed out that Osric has a wiki now. Um, I'll have the... Uh, I'll have the... Uh, link over at the thought eater blog so you can get to it it's it's um but uh it's really cool you can just click click around have the whole book easy to access and jump around on on a wiki uh easy to copy and paste and all this kind of stuff so i thought that was really neat if you're a first edition fan like myself and uh, dig osric you can go over and check that out uh so yeah back in a second with uh the final topic all right so for my final topic Today, I saw an awesome post over at tabletopbellhop.com, Moti's blog, podcast, and everything about raising the next generation of tabletop gamers, gaming with kids. And it's a great post. It's got a lot of good advice. Now, even if you don't have kids or whatever, chances are you've got a friend with kids, or your cousin's got a kid, or you've got. Uh, you know, some kids in your family that, you know, you're going to maybe have an opportunity or even if it's down at the game shop. I remember the last time I ran something at the game shop, there were some young kids down there, you know, coming in with their parents or whatever. So chances are, even if you don't have kids, you're going to have the opportunity at some point to kind of pass along the magic of gaming. And I think it's important that we do. And one of the one of the things it talks about is uh, Mo's history gaming with most kids, um, ideas about when to start with them, about introducing rules and complexity, things like this. It's a great read. It reminded me of when I started gaming with my daughter. The first things we did when she was very, very young was just rolling on random tables and kind of designing our own world. So we had a hex map and we were rolling and we were saying, okay, so this is the town and and she would decide the different things that were in the town. And so it was just a way to be creative and make up, you know, make believe and think of a town. And then we started going around the town out into the wilderness and designing what that was going to be. So we were rolling random dice and having fun rolling the dice and then being really creative. And I think one of the, one of the great things about it is you find out that there's a magic that kids have uh, an ability to be spontaneous and creative in a ways that sometimes we as adults have lost. The other great thing about it is, you know, if you do have kids from a family standpoint, it's a great way to spend spend time together and uh, and do something that's not, uh, you know, 
just do something creative with each other. It kind of brings you together. But, you know, I could keep rambling on about this forever. What I really wanted to do is uh, talk to Elizabeth the Fighter, you know, who hangs out with Willie the Wizard, and see what she has to think. So here's a short interview, and I'll be back afterwards. Okay, so I've got, I've got the, uh, the player who plays Elizabeth the Fighter in our D&D campaign sitting here. You want to say hello? Hi. Hi. He also hangs out with Willie the Wizard sometimes on 5-Minute Fridays. And, you know, we're talking about gaming with kids and getting them into games and stuff, so I thought I'd ask you a couple questions about it. Yeah, because I'm a kid. I'm his kid. Right. So what, what's your favorite game that we've played, do you think? Um... Board games, everything. What's your favorite game? Can you think of what, what your favorite, what immediately comes to mind? Cauldron's Quest. Cauldron's Quest, that or, board game? Or D&D. Cauldron's Quest and D&D. Yeah. What do you like best about Cauldron's Quest? Um, just really fun to play. Mm-hmm. You think it's, why you think it's fun? Um. One thing I know you gets, like about it is. Gets people together it, in the group. Gets people together in a group, yeah. And then I know you also like how you're not playing against each other. Everybody's kind of on the same team trying to yeah. win. Yeah, you like that? That's one of the fun things about D&D, I think. Do you agree? Yeah, I like that too. What's your, what are some of the adventures we've gone on in D&D, or what comes to your mind? What's your favorite stuff about D&D? Um, one of my favorite adventures was our first adventure to that snake cavern yeah. place. The snake cavern? Yeah. What do you remember about that one? Um, I remember there were a lot of traps, yeah. and that's when we met. That was before Willie. That was yeah. That was before you. Yeah. Right. You've got a good memory. And that was really fun. That's when I first met Bibbin and Bob and Bibbin and Bob and the your other your other buddies, the the halfling brothers. Yeah. So. I know you got other stuff you need to be doing, but I thought I'd ask you just... No, I came down for a break. You came down for... Okay, well... Yeah, so I'm going to be here <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, so what... Do you? Why would you think that gaming is important to do with your kids, or what, do you, what does it really mean to you? Um, gets kids off of screens. <laughs> oh, God. From the mouth of babes. I love that you say that. Have you just, do you really think that, or is that just something you've heard me say? It just gets people together, and it's yeah. fun to play as a family. Absolutely. So you don't get to do that much stuff with your family. Ah, that's so true. That's why I love Family Game Night. Yeah, I so love you too, uh, and I love you. Oh, golly. Now, if we just had something to sell, we'd sell a million of them right now. We got them right in the palm of our hands. Well, you want to say bye to everybody? Bye. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. So that's what I've got for y'all this week. Good stuff. Special thanks to Colin Green from Spike Pit for calling in. And also to my little sweetie for joining me to talk about gaming with kids. So if you want to message me, use the Anchor voice message system. I can put you on the show. Try it out. Um, even if you're not podcasting on Anchor, download the app, uh, follow along with some of these awesome OSR Anchorites, and join in the conversation. It's really what makes Anchor special. It's what separates it from any of the other podcasting platforms. 
Um, or if you want to just, uh, it's kind of like we're talking about Forrest Aguirre with the snail mail. You want to just email me, you can do that too. Frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. Or there's a uh, contact form at the Thought Eater blog. And remember, all these links that I talked about are over there. Frothsoft, frothsofdnd.blogspot.com. Huge shout out to the folks backing me on Patreon. Now look, try not to plug it and push it too hard, but if you like the content I'm doing, if you're enjoying the blog posts, uh, enjoying the podcasts, um, enjoying the you know the stuff I'm working on, I'm gonna you know, I would keep doing it regardless. It's not about the money, but if you want to pl- uh, you know chip a dollar in the in the pot once a month to help uh, support what I'm doing, uh, I'd love it. And uh, I would appreciate it. So patreon.com forward slash thought eater if you're interested in that. Next thing you'll hear from me, uh, Friday, hoping to do another Willie the Wizard with my little sweetie Elizabeth the Fighter. Trying to come up with an idea. I've got a couple of things that haven't been too great. But uh, we'll see what I can come up with. Logan, get us out of here. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind